Welcome to another edition of the Wonk and Circumstance Podcast. I'm your host, Wonky Robina. Session continued on this week, with some of the omnibus bills arriving in committee. There's the regular amount of rancor about the bills on every side of the political aisle, which is exactly what you'd expect in a legislature that's staring an election year right in the face. The Senate is pushing for a budget that is $87.3 billion, while the House's is $87.2. The budgets line up very similarly, which is good news for elected officials who want to finish the session on time. However, there are some differences that could become significant, several of which are in the fight over education. The Senate's budget calls for $434 million more in property tax payments which it says would be from rising property values. The House doesn't buy that logic. They say it's a tax hike, and opposes that amount. The Senate is also looking to spend more money on higher education, while the House believes that higher education costs are too high as is, and proposes lowering them. To make things even more tense, an omnibus education bill, HB 7055, is getting a lot of attention from special interest groups, especially teachers' unions. This week, we'll be touching on another of the hot-button issues in politics, healthcare. It's been the source of squabbles between the House and the Senate in recent years, and it seems like this year is no different. First, however, let's look at where we stand. As of press time, 27 bills have passed the House this year, and they are waiting to be heard in the Senate. Their counterparts in the Senate have yet to pass any bills that the House has not taken up. We have zero bills in conference. There are 19 bills that have been passed by both chambers. However, all of those are resolutions and therefore do not carry the force of law. The governor has yet to receive anything on his desk. 11 bills have failed or been laid on the table and 82 bills have been officially withdrawn. Before we dive into the bills that we will be covering this week, let's give a brief breakdown of how our process works. We look at every bill, identifying the topic or topics that the bill covers. Oftentimes, this is just one issue, but many times, including the bills that you'll be hearing about later today, there can be supplemental issues that also come into play. For bills that are very specific, we include a meta-topic, an umbrella category that an issue falls under. Red light cameras, for example, we list under the topic of transportation. Once we've got the issues a bill covers sorted out, it's time to get it rated. Bills are rated on a scale of 0 to 10. These numbers for us represent a rage exactly like the one that you see when you take the quiz on VoterAid.co. We need the number rating to be able to tell you, the voter, how your elected officials vote on a particular issue, from strongly disagree to strongly agree. This week, we're diving into one of the most complex issues in the nation, healthcare. As I mentioned before, the legislature has in recent years split over what to do on big health issues. The House is generally seen as more conservative on the topic blocking expansion of Medicaid that was supported by the Senate and the Governor just a couple of years ago. This year, the House has put forward some measures that would ease regulation in the sector, but they have yet to gain traction in the upper chamber. Healthcare bills generally fall in on the scale of less legally restrictive and less public sector involvement 
or more restrictive and more public sector involvement. A zero would mean a fully private healthcare system that was free of restrictions on practice for any purpose. A 10 would mean a fully public system with a guaranteed level of care and significant restrictions for safety, quality, and care of patients. Most bills, including all three you're about to hear about, fall somewhere in the middle. Let's dive in. The first bill we'll take a look at is SB 524, Influenza Virus and Streptococcal Infections. Say that five times fast. In Florida, a medical doctor is given the sole authority to test and treat conditions such as the flu or strep throat. This bill would expand the authority to allow pharmacists who had met certain criteria, including eight hours of training, to also test and treat either the flu or strep throat. The topics covered in this bill are occupational licensing and healthcare regulation, that is, regulation specific to the healthcare sector. The score on both topics is a 3 out of 10. A 3 in occupational licensing rates as anti-occupational licensing, while a 3 in healthcare regulation translates as against healthcare regulation. The reason the score is 3 for both is that this bill would expand the number of professionals who are allowed to participate in a particular service, however only after they've met certain requirements. There is a similar bill in the House, HB 431, that has passed the Health Quality Subcommittee and is on its way to the full Health and Human Services Committee, though it's been lagging there for a while, since the middle of January. SB 524, on the other hand, is temporarily postponed in committee, which is never good news for a bill that's hoping to go places. It's possible that if this bill had been brought up for a vote when originally scheduled, it would have failed. If you are very excited about SB 524, don't get your hopes up. Up next is HB 23, Recovery Care Services. Ambulatory surgical centers are locations in Florida where patients can get elective surgical care, as long as they don't stay over a certain period of time. ASCs, as they are often called, are not hospitals. As of now, patients have to be discharged within the same working day and cannot stay overnight. This bill seeks to tweak that so the limit is no more than 24 hours, bringing it in line with what Medicare reimburses for. The bill also creates a new recovery care center license, allowing non-hospital locations that meet certain criteria to provide recovery care services for patients that are admitted and discharged within 72 hours. There were two amendments to this bill, both of which failed. One would have required licensed doctors to be part of the regulatory condition for these centers. The second would have tweaked the amount of time that patients would have been allowed to stay in ASCs and RCCs. There are two topics covered in this bill. The first is hospital-centric care, which is the idea that the best health care will be delivered at hospitals above all other locations. The second is healthcare regulation. On the original bill, we scored it a 3.0 on the topic of hospital-centric care, which would qualify it as opposed to hospital-centric care. This is due to the increased options available to patients outside of getting care at hospitals. The score for healthcare regulation is 
or middle of the road, as the new licenses put similar requirements on new facilities as they do on their hospital counterparts. The First Amendment, which was officially labeled 291793, was rated 3.5 for hospital-centric care and 5.0 for healthcare regulation. The reason for the slight uptick in both scores is that the amendment would have made the requirements slightly stricter, that is, adding the doctor requirement previously mentioned. Amendment 2, which is labeled 190437, also would have received a score of 3.5 for hospital-centric care and 5.0 for healthcare regulation. Just like the previous amendment, this provision would have made restrictions slightly stricter, this one focusing on the amount of time that patients could stay in the two types of care centers mentioned. Again, both of those amendments failed. There is a similar bill in the Senate, SB 250, which includes the ASC portion of this bill, but not the new RCC license. SB 250 has passed the Senate Health Policy Committee unanimously, but still has two stops to go before it reaches the floor. HB 23, on the other hand, has already passed the House by a vote of 79-23. It did so back on January 12th, three weeks ago. It was received by the Senate, but it has yet to be taken up. Considering that a slimmer version of this bill is mired in committee already, the odds might be a little long on final passage. Don't be surprised if the tweaks to the ASCs pass, but the RCC license may have to wait for another year. Finally, we'll look at HB 27, Certificates of Need for Hospitals. Certificates of Need, or CONS, are a legal program that requires certain healthcare-related locations, including hospitals, nursing homes, and hospices, among others, to get authorization from the state before they offer new and or expanded services. It requires the proof of a potential need that the location would meet if it were to be approved. It requires the proof of a potential market need that the location would meet if it were to be approved. This bill would eliminate the CON requirement for hospitals and hospital services, as well as in centers offering rehabilitation services. New healthcare sites would still have to meet all existing licensure requirements to be able to open, but wouldn't have to prove market demand before opening their doors. At least, not to the state, anyway. The topics covered here, healthcare regulation. Sense of theme? The score is a 3 for healthcare regulation, which qualifies again as against healthcare regulation. The elimination of con requirements does eliminate regulation and in theory does make it easier to open up something like a new hospital. However, the licensure requirements to open and operate remain the same, therefore the level of uh, hoops, so to speak, would be similar. There is a similar bill in the Senate, SB 1492, which is identical. It was introduced, however, it has yet to receive a hearing. HB 27 passed the House by a vote of 72 to 36. However, much like HB 23, the Senate has yet to give it any real attention. Before we go, there's been some action on bills that we've covered in past weeks, so I want to give you some brief updates. From the first episode, we covered resign to run laws, which would be tweaked to make sitting legislators resign once they qualify to run for Congress or U.S. Senate. A Senate version of this bill has passed, however the House has yet to take up the measure. Also in Episode 1, 
we touched on sanctuary cities, a bill that would have banned them in the entire state of Florida. The reason why I said that in past tense is because the bill is on life support in the Senate and is not expected to pass in 2018. Last week, we touched on a couple of gun-related bills, SB 1048, which would allow concealed carry by designated personnel in churches, pass the Rules Committee by a slim 7-5 majority. It's on the special order calendar, which means it's waiting for a vote of the full Senate. We also touched on bills that would allow background checks to be requested electronically. It passed the House 110-2. The Senate version is pending a vote of the full chamber. Before we go, I want to remind you about VoterAid, the show's sponsor. It's the site that allows you to learn which candidates for office most represent your interests by matching you, online dating style, to the candidates. We currently have two live elections, South Miami's municipal races, and a special election for Florida House in District 114. If you think you may live in a district that's currently voting, head to www.voteraid.co and type in your address. If you're in an election zone, you'll see the offices listed on your results page. And if you aren't, don't worry. We'll still give you an ideological match to your two U.S. Senators and Member of Congress. That site again is V-O-T-E-R-A-I-D dot C-O. Don't delay. South Miami's Election Day is less than one week away. And... Florida House 114's Republican primary is less than two weeks away from this episode's publishing date. That's all for this week. Thanks again for listening.